everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Balanced Blues Brothers podcast covering the Euros and Chelsea players involved. We'll be discussing the quarterfinals and what went on there. We had four matches. We had Spain versus Switzerland. Uh, we had Belgium, Italy, Czech Republic versus Denmark, and Ukraine versus England. No upsets this time. All of the favorites went ahead and won. And as far as Chelsea players, it started. We had Cesar Azpilicueta starting for Spain. Jorginho starting for Italy, Andreas Christensen starting for Denmark, and Mason Mount starting for England in their 4-0 win over Ukraine to get to the semifinals. So that's where we'll pick up. We'll start with the first one. Travis, you know, as far as El Capitan, Dave, Cesar Azpilicueta, what did you make of his performance once again for Spain and getting the start of that position? Yeah, it was another really solid one from Cosby uh, in that right fullback spot where he's really just kind of replicating what he's doing at Chelsea. It's nothing crazy, but with international management, half of it's just putting players into the position for the roles they play at their club. And, you know, if that's how Osri Laqueta succeeds, you know, Luis Enrique has been able to do that. I mean, he was still very, he was getting forward a lot. He was helping with the attacks, but it's the same issues for Spain. They, just create tons of chances, but don't really have anyone they can trust to put it in. Their game management is awful. They they just go and go, but they can't finish. So going and going doesn't really do anything for them. And then they're just open at the back. And Switzerland caught them the one time they needed to do it. And even with the red card, they were able to take its penalties because Spain can't score. Yeah, more than anything, that's having to go to extra time twice in a row is what's going to kill Spain against Italy. Uh, if they were completely fit and on level ground with Italy in that sense, I might still see them as favorites for the tournament. But as it is, they're just they're going to wilt, you know, by halftime, and that'll be that. Yeah, there's going to be a huge mental and physical toll to go, you know. 120 minutes both times, and it's a good point you make there. It does seem like Spain very much, you know, they score a lot of goals and really, you know, live up to their X goal as far as their chance creation, or they do the opposite and don't. Uh, Ola, what about you? There's an interesting start about that getting to extra time twice and coming through. Apparently, Spain are the sixth team to come through two extra times. That's to come out winning. And the last five things to do is won the competition. So there's, there's that. But I think I agree with you that that is the only problem that Spain have. I don't think their lack of goals is that much of a problem because they, they create many chances and they, they certainly create enough chances to score. And that really is all you can hope for. But as far as defense, defending goals, they have been struggling defensively. I mean, Laporte is, one of, is supposed to be a world-class centre-back that Pep was benching and he can't even make a clearance, you know? So it, it just goes to show that even the basics, they are not, they are not doing well. And the hallmark of, of winners is, is clean sheets, especially in tournament football. So they have that problem. I thought I thought Aspi struggled a bit. A, a lot of the attacks came down his side. And we all know he's not, you know, there's a reason Tuku started playing him as a centre-back. There's a reason Conte decided to play him as a centre-back in a, 
in a three-man formation. So there was no surprise there, but it may be something they might look into going forward. I don't think they will because he did offer a lot of other things down that right-hand side. But as they progress in the competition, they are going to meet tougher opponents. So they can't hope to always survive that side getting that much pressure that often. So, but other, other than that, I, I thought Spain were lucky to win the to win that shootout, that game, really. Especially when it got to the shootout because they missed their first penalty and Switzerland just didn't, didn't capitalize ultimately. And, you know, their goalkeeper did well too, if I'm being fair. Yeah, I think that's, you know, good point. And, you know, a very good shout out there to... Uh... To Jan Sommer, uh, <laughs> and has had a very good, has you know, very very good Euro uh, tournament thus far. So the next game, uh, probably the biggest match of the semi of, of the quarterfinals, excuse me, with a place in the semifinals on the line was Belgium versus Italy. Um, you know, this golden generation of Belgium really needed this show. This was their best bet, best bet, and best chance to you know get past a, a you know a very um, dominant team in this tournament, and then really have their stake their claim as far as being a winning uh, a winning country is in what they're putting on the field but that wasn't the case uh the only chelsea player to feature in this one was Jorginho. emerson did get a later appearance due to a really unfortunate injury to spinazzola and you know so not really a whole lot to analyze for emerson's performance but Jorginho once again uh you know a lot of praise and positive feedback from what he did in this uh, match, as well as, you know, continuing the theme of the tournament. So, Ola, you know, uh, what do you make of Jorginho's performance? Do you think that maybe he has a stake, you know, to claim player of the tournament thus far? Uh, about player of the tournament, it's always going to be up for debate how, how important, I mean, if they do win the Euros, can you really say he was so important to decide that he can get Ballon d'Or shots? But that's that's just a more extreme version of praise, really. I think he has been he has been magnificent, and he showed again in that game how good he is in he when he's in his when he's in his element. Should I say? I mean, many would have expected De Bruyne to control that game the way he Jorginho did, and he didn't control the game by you know pinging passes left, right, center. He didn't control the game by making a lot of long balls, but he did control the game in how the game flowed. When the ball got to the midfield, he made the right decision most of the time. And that really is what we've come to expect from him. He was also solid defensively as well. He wasn't just a liability defensively and and controlling the tempo only on the ball. I thought Jorginho was also key towards the end of the game where Italy had to make sure they didn't concede any goal because actually saying as it was 2-1 from halftime, they had to, they spent the whole second half, everyone was was tensed and towards the end of the game, they knew that the important thing now was to get it over the line and make sure they didn't concede any goal to create any further drama. He did his own part in, in breaking up play when he needed to, clearing the ball when he needed to. And I think the national team has really shown, it has given us an opportunity to see players in different systems. And it has shown that, you know, you can't really 
you can't really judge a player looking at him when he plays, you know, either only at club level or only at, at national team level. So the Belgium team was not the same without without Eden Hazard. And even despite Lukaku and De Bruyne doing a lot of things, they still just did not have enough. Italy was on top of them the whole game. I was surprised how easily Italy controlled the game. I expected Belgium to put up more of a fight, especially from a team that was supposed to be a golden generation. But the backline really just shows that how much of a chance can you really have at the trophy when your centre-backs are, you know, that age, which is not a very strong argument when you look at Italy's backline too, or their centre-back pairing anyway. Kellini is not young, he's not in his prime, but they have played at the highest level for the longest time soon. And at, at, at this level, at international competitions in knockout football, experience, it, you can make the case that experience is a lot more important than, than youth. It's a lot more important than, you know, energy because you, you see the, towards the end of the game where they were clearing the ball and getting away with as much nothingness as, as they could. That's, if you get that with experience, you know. Uh, I think you bring up a good question a lot about systems and not, you know, how it may not translate from club to national team. So I want to ask that question to you, Travis. First, you know, based upon how Jorginho has played this tournament once again against Belgium, had a, you know, very solid match. Do you think this has shown that he can play in a back four for Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, really what Italy has done as a whole is just, they've combined a lot of different ideas that have happened in Serie A in recent years, including like Maurizio Sarri's Napoli side. And Giorgino's role is pretty much the same as it would have been for Sarri. Just, I think the main thing that we lacked at Chelsea were those two really hardworking, just incredibly driven midfielders either side of him that, you know, you had that at uh, Napoli and you have that with Italy, but Chelsea with Kovacic and Conte, you don't quite get that the way you need it to be. I mean, you could probably get away with it now if you did something like Mason Mount and Conte, who would both just work really hard. But I don't know. I mean, right now we've shown that he can work in this 3-4-3 that we're doing. So I wouldn't really mess with that too much. Yeah. I mean, as for Belgium, that was really just what the end of a golden generation looks like. Um, I think more than anything else, this was the game where not having Eden Hazard as he was at Chelsea hurt them. And not having Kevin De Bruyne on an injured ankle hurt them. You know, Lukaku tried to make things happen, but it was a one-man show for him. Doku did really well, but they're going to need more players like that to replicate what they've just done. And, you know, maybe they can get it over the line of the World Cup. I mean, Chelsea's old guard was past their point where they should have won something when they won the Champions League. So this next World Cup is going to be it for Belgium. This is a disappointing way to exit the Euros. Not that Italy's a bad team, but they didn't bother Italy. Italy, on the other hand, they make it look like they're going to be a force again. 
this Italian team is a, I feel like they're the most complete team in the tournament, you know, from goalkeeper to striker in all departments of the, of the pitch, they have a very complete balanced team. Um, and I think that, you know, overall they probably have the best other than maybe Croatia, they probably have the best midfield in this tournament, you know, just a really strong squad overall. And I think that, uh, good point though, about Lukaku, it did seem like it was kind of him trying to create a lot of things in De Bruyne you know, did well enough, but in the day it was one V three for Lukaku many times in this match. Um, moving on to the next one, it was Czech Republic who have been kind of along with Ukraine, a big surprise at this tournament, um, really kind of punching above their weight to get to the final eight. One of the best, you know, top eight teams in Europe based upon this tournament. Um, and they went up against Denmark who have just been riding an absolute wave. Uh, it's really been a galvanizing effect for them. And, and with all, you know, respect, probably should have that because of what unfortunately happened to Christian Eriksen. So we do, once again, we have Andreas Christensen starting for Denmark. Again, pretty good performance overall. Uh, Travis, what do you think about Christensen? Do you think that he has shown enough now between last season and this, in this tournament of Euros that he will be a, you know, consistent starter 75% or more for us uh, in the upcoming club season? Yeah, I think, we'll see a lot of him in this coming season. I mean, I think we're going to have a big squad and rotate a lot regardless, but you know, for Chelsea, he's shown he can do it in the middle of the back three for Chelsea and Denmark. He's shown he can do it on the right side of the back three and for Denmark, he's shown he can go into midfield if needed. So you know, if he's fit, which was a little bit of an issue towards the end of last season, there's really no reason not to play him. Thiago Silva isn't going to be able to play every game. He didn't play nearly as much as we think he did, even though he was excellent when he did play. So Christensen can just be another one of our many Danish army knives to use wherever. Denmark in this game was probably their best of the tournament. Pretty much any dribble they tried to do came off for them, and they were just able to find tons of space on the counter, which is probably something England should be a little concerned about because one of those two teams is going to have to go on to the other. And I would wager would probably be England. And I'm not sure how well they can hold up to counters like the ones Denmark did against the Czech Republic. But then again, pretty much everything went perfectly for them in that match other than the one conceded. So it'll be a really interesting match. It will be, and you know, <clears throat> there's a chance that uh, you could see Denmark continue to ride ride this wave that, they, that they've been on. Um, Ola, what about you? What do you think of Andreas Christensen? Do you think that he has been Denmark's, you know, maybe most important player from a non-striker point of view uh, for Denmark this tournament? Uh, I don't know about most important, but he has definitely he's definitely part of a defense that has been solid. All things considered, considering that they don't have the flashy center back names or, or squad generally as a whole, they've been very functional and he has he has played very well. Like Travis mentioned, he has stepped into the midfield quite well, especially when he has seen the space there. And that intelligence is, is something that would help him a lot when he when he returns to Chelsea. It's interesting that. We, it's still in a center back, it's still in a three center back pairing that we have seen him. And I wouldn't 
advocate to play him in any other system because I don't know what the obsession with moving to a back four is other than fitting, you know, fitting more attacks in. And really, moving to the back four requires a lot of things to work. Yes, many of us think that a, another DM in theory would fix it, but he has definitely been one of Denmark's more consistent players. He has been more active defensively. When I say active, I mean contesting aerial duels, getting more involved in the defending, not just stepping into midfield to to cut the attacks from there. He has been more involved in penalty box defending, which is good to see because Chelsea don't have... I wouldn't say we don't have nearly enough of them, now that I think about it, we have a lot of them. But it would help his game because... Many see him as this this guy who is not physical, who is lightweight, and he has definitely not looked lightweight for Denmark. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I, I mean, overall, uh, hopefully he can continue his run of form and you know get live up to the great expectations he was once built to have from John Terry back uh, when he was you know, still in the academy at Chelsea. Um, finally, we would go to England's you know match against Ukraine, where it was a four nil beat down. Really saw the three Lions attack click the most in this one. Um, a lot of credit to Ukraine to make it this far. They really punched well above their weight to reach this stage. And the only Chelsea player that started and featured in this one was Mason Mount. Um, Ola, what do you think of Mount's performance in this? And do you think he's going to get a start in the semifinal? I think so, yes. Because them press a lot. And if you come up against a team that presses, as much as they do, and as organ- as organized as they do, you need a player of your own, you need a weapon of your own. And Mount pressing is very good in volume, and and you need that against against Denmark. Pressing is definitely not all he does, and it's not all he will offer. Definitely, is one of their more reliable players in terms of chance creation. I think Ukraine was a very easy opponent. I don't mean to discredit their win. I'm not discrediting it, but I think the appraisal of their performance should be tempered with the fact that they played against a Ukraine team that had played 120 minutes, I think twice. They had played a lot of minutes and they, they looked definitely they, they looked very tired against England. The corner that they considered was to Jordan Henderson was evidence of that. He was just left there. And Henderson is not a tall guy. So three players seem to be aware. And then little movement from Henderson. And they just felt, "Ah, what can we do? We tried. So they were definitely tired. I think they they will come up against more of a threat against Denmark, which, yes, it was said about Germany. And they had a difficult game against Germany. They considered some very big chances. And if they had considered those goals, the game probably takes a different dimension. But everything needs luck. You can't you can't say, oh, they ha- they got lucky here and there, so they don't deserve. No, everything needs luck. And the fact that they have the most clean sheets of the tournament so far is not a coincidence either. They've been very tidy defensively. Mr. Mount was good again. I thought he played well. He he I think he had an assist from the corner. Mount with the corner. 
There's another one. Jordan Henderson has his first goal for England. And England have their fourth of the night. Yes, he missed the penalty in the warm-up games. But that must have felt absolutely amazing. So, he wasn't uh, as busy as we've come to see him, but was definitely effective in chance creation. He, he has a good corner on him. You know, I, I see people talk about part of the criticism leveled against him is he doesn't have many assists from open play, which is true. But how many players have that many assists from corners? Corners are a very difficult thing to get right. And if he gets corners right that often, then that's a skill in and of itself. Yeah, Travis, uh, what do you have to expand on from what Ola's talking about there? Yeah, I think he hit pretty much all of it. Mount came into some criticism from the Boo Boys, who are never going to like him. But he, he put in a really good defensive shift, and you need that even as a forward, especially these days when pressing is so important. He, offensively, he was a little mitigated just because of how England was trying to focus on the flank so much. And pretty much the whole second half, England just kind of sat off, let Ukraine try to come on them, and they just hit them on the break over and over. I understand why people want to see more of Grealish, but I, I just don't see who you put him in over. I mean, he's not coming in over Mount because then you lose most of your forward pressing. Uh, he's not going to come in over Sterling because Sterling's going to be your guy going in behind most often. So. You know, that other spot is still kind of up for grabs between Sancho, Foden, Grealish, and I don't know. I don't know what Southgate's preference is for who he uses when. Yeah, overall, it Ukraine just looked gassed early on. England took advantage and just kept pushing. And if they hadn't just done this whole World Cup thing where they seemed so sure they were going to make the final over Croatia, I would probably give it to them over Denmark, but I, I wouldn't be so certain that Denmark's going to roll over like Ukraine did. And it, you know, Germany was a tough match that England handled pretty well. Denmark's going to be a different kind of challenge because England will be the favorite, and they're going to have to be sharp and concentrated to get past them. And with that, I'll ask uh, Travis, you first, what is the final that you're going to predict for this? Oh, boy. I'm going to predict Denmark, Italy. Italy, I think it's pretty straightforward of an answer. Denmark, I know I cannot shake this whole notion of England already thinks they're in the final. It's like Manchester City thought they had won the Champions League. And Denmark has a lot to fight for. No one's really expecting much of them. And that lack of pressure can be a really good thing in moments like this. I mean, if if England are able to score, it's going to look bad for Denmark. If they're able to score first, that is. But I I don't know. Denmark just have been pulling it out of the hat. And I don't think they're going to stop. How about you, Ola? What's the final you're going to predict? Uh, I'm I'm trying to. I know I've said I've backed Christensen to lead. Denmark past England, but I just can't shake up the the. I mean, it's tournament. It's tournament where teams have played, players have played a lot of games throughout the season, and 
everyone is tired and people lose concentration and they've not considered a good whole tournament. And they've, to be fair, the strongest team they faced so far is Germany and they consider some big chances. But Denmark do have that much. I'm probably missing something, but Denmark don't strike me as this team that have this attacking talent that England has to worry about. I think if England treat Denmark the way they treated Germany, they'll be fine. Their defense will be fine. I won't say they won't consider any chances because they don't really have that much control over that sometimes. But Pickford has been has been very good. So it's not just the defenders. And I think the, the, the most underrated part of their clean sheets run is, is, their, is, their, is their midfield, their central midfield. Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips have been very, very good. I think they've been the only consistent starters in that defensive setup in all five games. That and the goalkeeper. The centre-back partnership has changed. You know, they've they've changed a lot of things around, but they've left those two there. So, so there's that. So I think that would have its benefits. And I do think England will get to the final just because they've been so defensively solid. And they have enough talent to to get goals. They have Hurricane, they have Jack Grealish, they have Phil Holden. I mean, Jaden Sancho just went for £73 million to Manchester United. And, and he, he's gotten, he's only gotten one start so far. That's not to say he's bad, but that just shows that they've not really needed to look to Jaden Sancho to solve their problems. And it's a lot like Chelsea. Chelsea did have a lot of attacking talent, but we didn't we didn't need to play all of them. We're defensively solid and we got the goals we needed to get to get to the summit. I think that's a lot like the situation they have now. Many people are clamoring for him to play, you know, all the attackers. But I think the fact that Southgate has prioritized the attack, the, the defense rather. It's a good strategy and it would have its benefits. So I think it's be an Italy England final. I think uh as far as Spain and Italy goes, it's still gonna be a good match, but I think by probably the 55 minute mark, you're gonna see Spain really start to fade away because they've played almost in you know two-thirds of a game more, counting penalties, maybe even longer than than what Italy have played so far. I know Italy had the knockout uh tie that went extra time against Austria, but uh, that game was a little odd. I think Spain really are a feast or famine type squad where it's, you know, a lot of goals or they struggle to score any goals at all. So I think that's, I, I would not bet on volatility at this stage of the tournament. I'm going to go ahead and bet on the safer, more consistent option, which is Italy that, you know, they, they're kind of scoring two goals or more in most matches. They're not conceding a whole lot. They're just a very complete team top to bottom. And I think that's going to get them through Um, Spain. I think, you know, if they can solve their striking issues, they can maybe be a much better team next year for the World Cup as some of those, you know, young, really young talents they have age a little bit more and get a little more experience. But I do think that this is not their time and that that volatility we've seen with their attack is going to rear its head again and let them down against such a defensively solid squad as Italy. So I'm going to take Italy into the final. And, you know, the England match is 
Uh, I am a little weary of picking England because I think there could be this psychological feeling that, okay, we're so close here to the final uh, and we have the, you know, quote unquote, easiest match or easiest team left on paper. But there is something about the Denmark team aside from just Ericsson, right? You have Casper Dolberg pretty much reviving himself, you know, in real time during this tournament. You have Christensen playing phenomenally and they have a very strong midfield overall. As well as I'm not sure if um, if they're going to get any of their uh, striking options back up front. They may, they may not. I don't know how that's going to play out, but we'll see. Uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup. But I think that what I'm going to lean on is this in tournament football, really, and we saw this with Chelsea winning the winning the Champions League, is that that defensive solidity goes a long way. And England have not conceded any goals throughout your you know this Euro tournament, so. I am going to take uh, England in a one nil over Denmark. And I think that's going to set up that, that Italy um, England final granted. I think Italy, uh, or excuse me, I think Italy is the pretty safe bet. I think England, Denmark will be much more a coin flip, but it's going to be interesting. Um, but until next time, listeners, we will be back to recap the semifinals and the final itself uh, for the last episode of covering Euro 2021 and uh, how Chelsea players go. Until next time, keep the blue flag flying high.